Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. It's the Outlaw John Roker just taking a moment here before we start our spoiler review of the Book of Boba Fett episode five to remind you that this episode of the Geek Buddies is powered and sponsored by the fine folks over there at Carbon Health, their leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high quality health care to everyone. Urgent care, primary care, and virtual care is all offered by them. They've got 90 clinics in 14 states and they offer virtual care in 24 states for anything that you might need. They believe in making high-quality health care available to everyone and that everyone deserves good health, whether you're a Clatoonian, a Rhodian, a Mandalorian, or just a regular human. You deserve great, good health, and they come up with tailored plans just for you. So go to CarbonHealth.com and see if there's a place there near you if you've got any issues and you want to get checked out. And certainly for people who want to get COVID tested, they are offering testing there as well. And if you're going to go overseas, they have their, they have testing uh, facilities available for you there to get approved to go overseas with your test. So go to CarbonHealth.com and see if they can help you today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Geek you know in the time of doing our show used to be three dudes who were unmarried and now one of us is officially married shannon mcclellan the guy was eating on camera for the love of god really i'm eating eating wedding cake Uh, it was a bit (laughs) It was a bit. Oh, okay. Good to go. Good to go. I think you're putting it in my face because I got the smallest piece in the whole uh, with the wedding cake. Anyway, anyway. Oh I'm going to tell you all, for everyone, everyone watching and listening, you haven't lived until you've been at your best friend's wedding and they're passing out the beautiful and gorgeous homemade wedding cake. Yes. And they put a piece in front of John Roca, the outlaw, and he says, this cake looks delicious. Why did you give me such a small piece? Yeah. 
I, I don't think you could even call it a piece because it was. It so was small. a huge piece. A it sliver. was, it was gigantic. Sliver. It was a perfectly was, serviceable piece. John's umbrage ran so deep that he was able to telepathically knock the cake over <laughs> about ten minutes later. Right as someone said, there's plenty of cake. The cake fell over. It was a perfect timing for sure. You're, you're knocking over the cake. Kalinowski's got the wedding photographer taking headshots of him. Like, what a day. What a day. What a, what day, a day it was. It was an incredible day. We posted about it on our social medias, which, of course, you can see there. Uh, uh, you can follow us there on our social medias and all that jazz there uh, to find out everything we got going on. But, yeah, let's get we're, – we're, we're back here for another brand-new episode of The Geek Bodies with some fun uh, uh, topics to talk about here in the world of geekdom. Let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the channel and on The Geek Bodies. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer, a television actor, and a recently married dude. Yeah. Shannon McClure. All right, might as well get it out of the way. Uh, put that on the list, Shaney. Put that one in, in your... Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're going to jump to all the things. The way it works here, if you're new for uh, with us, the way it works here is each of us brings up a, a news item and we talk about it amongst ourselves. Uh, then we take a quick break and jump into our main topic. And our main topic today is on the heels... Of the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6, we had kind of alluded to a conversation last week, me and Bogle kind of on opposite sides of this idea of bringing back these legacy characters and CGI and whatever. So we're going to have a discussion about whether it's time to finally do that or not uh, as our main topic. And we're going to jump into so many things like Madam Web and all these other things that are going on, trailers and what have you, and some John Bernthal news and some new Doctor Strange posters as well. Uh, and if you're not new to us and you've been with us for a while, thank you very much for staying on the train with us. All right, who is starting us off? I think it is Mikey. It is. So as Johnny just mentioned, uh, Deadline reported this week uh, that Sony, uh, in their Spider-Man universe without a Spider-Man, has announced <laughs> that uh, they've tapped Dakota Johnson to play uh, their first female superhero in their universe, Madam Web. Yeah. Now, um, for those of you that don't know, most of us know Madam Web as a very old woman on life support who has lots of psychic powers that does not look like Dakota Johnson. Um, but there is a more recent Madam Web that is probably the one they are going with. Uh, Madam Web is tied to the Spider Verse in the comics in a major way. Uh, Madam Web is kind of a psychic character who has often helped spider-man she is connected to the webs of the multiverse um so definitely an interesting character probably not anybody's top 10 pick of who was going to get their own spider-man movie anytime soon um and once again raising the question of hey sony what are you even doing what's going on um so what do you guys think about this like the dakota johnson of it all first of all and more broadly the madam web of it all what do you two think about this Shannon? Well, I mean, again, not being a huge Spider-Man reader, my um, my knowledge from of Madam Web comes from the Spider-Man animated series. Oh, yes. Christopher Daniel Barnes as Peter Parker. Right. And, like, I, that one was never one of my shows, but I watched it. And whenever the Madam Web episodes came up, it just seemed so not a part of Spider-Man's universe. It just mm. seemed so kind of weird and off-kilter. Knowing that she is, you know, uh, uh, she's like a telepath, right? Um, 
Ish, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. N- knowing that, I don't know, this character seems like this. they could do something with a cool story with this mm-hmm. that wouldn't necessarily need to be connected to Spider-Man, that you have, the, you have this woman who has these kind of telepathic mental abilities. It seems like there could be a story there. I mean, I got to tell you, I, I think I'm probably more excited for this than I am for a Craven the Hunter movie. How dare you? I don't. Yeah, man, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Craven by himself. I'd rather see Craven fighting Spider Man. Um, and Dakota Johnson as a performer, she's never necessarily been my speed. I mean, she's she's one of those performers who pops up in a movie. And it's like, oh, it'll be fine. Um, she's not someone that necessarily gets me excited. Uh, but yeah, I mean, along the lines like we talked about many, many times before, Sony has this incredible vault of characters. Um, that they can use and that they're trying to, they're, they're picking out the ones that they want to use. I mean, and thus far, I mean, Venom and, you know, Morbus, we haven't seen yet, but Venom being the only one that is someone that they've taken from that vault and kind of created their own story. Box office wise, you can't argue with it. I mean, th- those movies have done incredibly well, despite the fact that I don't enjoy them at all. So there is, a, there is a world where a Madam Web movie comes out and does really well. Yeah, I'm always confused by this because I saw some of my friends, including my uh, my uh, uh, friend Jeff Snyder, tweeting about how she's a great choice because she's going to put butts in seats. And I'm like, I, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, that was the book putting butts in seats. And I don't I don't recall like Dakota. I mean, Peanut Butter Falcon was a damn good movie, but that didn't it wasn't Dakota Johnson putting butts in seats. So I don't know if Dakota is necessarily a box office draw. That being said, this is an interesting character to do because, as Michael pointed out, She's kind of confined to a wheelchair and she has this condition. I want to make sure I say it right. Myasthenia, gra- myasthenia gravis, uh, which makes her disabled. She's never actually physically fought villains. At least the original iteration never physically fought villains. There is a younger version of her that's in the comics. So they might be combining the two mythologies to make it work somehow. And look, we could criticize Sony all day, but those those Venom movies made money, as Shannon pointed out. They made a cra- almost $2 billion combined. That's insane to consider here, or maybe over $2 billion combined. It's insane to put in it. But, but she's an inactive character, right? She's mentally well, telepathic and she does kind of stuff, but she's not physically involved. So it's an interesting choice. And there were people who were upset about this, but I, I and we'll get to that in a second, but I mean, I like Dakota Johnson. I, I'd be cool with seeing her play Madam Web, but I don't know what role this is going to play, as Michael pointed out, without a Spider-Man in the Spider-Man universe. Well, so I, a couple things. So just to uh, cu- clarify a couple things. So the original Madam Web, Cassandra Web, who Cassandra uh, Web, de- yeah. who debuted in the night in the 1980s, is the one who is uh, tethered to a complex life support system, right. who is kind of disabled, is disabled, has disability, um, who originally was a mutant with strong psychic and telepathic abilities who could read minds, project consciousness through the astral plane, and sometimes see the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, they sort of revealed that uh, her powers were, beyond being a mutant, tied to the mystical web of life and destiny um, that kind of tied her to the multiverse. Now, more recently, um, Cassandra Webb's powers have been passed on to Julia Carpenter, right. um, who was previously to being the new Madam Web, was a Spider Woman. 
who had similar powers to Spider-Man, except she could throw psi webs, which uh, were psionic webs that would materialize into physical webs. And this one, uh, Julia Carpenter, um, is blind, but is not confined to a wheelchair Mm. or to a bed or anything like that. So chances are, if they're going to go down this Madame Web route, they are probably going to be using the more recent Julia Carpenter as the basis of what they're doing. So we're not going to see a... Although, listen... A movie about a superhero who can't move, very interesting. Yeah. I don't know where you go with it. Yeah. Um, so it's probably going to be that one. And also, you know, we know that Sony, as they've been kind of batting ideas around Black Cat was happening for a while, right. Silver Sable was happening for a while, right. Silver Sable and Black Cat was happening for a while. But the fact that Madam Web is now the hot new uh, commodity probably has at least a little bit to do with that movie that they just released about multiverses mm. that made billions and billions and billions of dollars um so the fact that madam webb in any iteration is tied to the multiverse and sony has seen how much we all love what happened when marvel did their multiverse or is doing their multiverse i have a pretty strong suspicion that the idea is let's get madam webb out there as quickly as possible hint to this bigger coming threat i mean like if you're going to follow the marvel plan Mm -hmm. you say hey let's have a character that can touch the multiverse hint at some giant war multiversal war that's looming where we're going to like drop the hint that we're going to bring toby and andrew and other spider-men and women and maybe even tom holland all together to face something and we're going to build to that um that could really be the way they go i mean if you won't go back and read the original uh spider-verse comic book I mean, Spider-Ham, Miles Morales, mm. Spider-Noir, uh, the punk rock Spider-Man, who I can't remember his name right now. Like, there was so many different Spider-Men and Spider-Women that they brought together that I could really see them thinking that they were going to be able to pull that off on the big screen, which would yeah. sort of be like into the, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home meets Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse times 20. So there's probably an idea that they want to do something like that. Whether or not the studio that brought us the two Venom movies can pull that off remains <laughs> to be seen. <laughs> well, pull it off artistically and put it off financially are two separate things that we've seen oh, with Venom. Oh, they sure. can make the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let, me, let me circle back. I know this is your story, Michael, but let's let's circle back into this uh, part of it that I that I kind of uh, want to talk about too. Is that there have been some some pushback on this. There have been some angry fans who to a Yahoo covered this. They did an article on it. Uh, quoting some tweets here from people who are upset that they've chosen an actress who is not disabled in any way, shape, or form to play an, a disabled, for lack of a better term, a disabled character, disabled superhero here in the Marvel universe. Um, and the questions of ableist versus disabled are now popping up. And because she's also, she, if you go with the Julia Carpenter version, as you mentioned, she's blind. If you go with the Cassandra Webb version, she's got she's confined to that wheelchair, that condition, myosthenia, myosthenia gravis. That's a really hard time pronouncing. So do you think these criticisms are valid? I mean, remember uh, Scarlett Johansson walked away from that uh, trans role that uh, based on a real life person there. Uh, other people have been kind of hounded who don't uh, who don't necessarily convey that. But nobody seemed to have had a problem with Charlie Cox coming back in Spider-Man No Way Home. He's playing a blind character. So what do you think, Mike? That's what I'm. I was kind of wondering that. Like, look, I think when you can cast, uh, whether it be race appropriately or 
I, I totally get casting a role for what the role is meant to be. Right. But I don't know where those people like like it, like I, I just I didn't hear any blowback on Charlie Cox being Daredevil. So no. Like. And I so I, I'm just curious as to why this is the thing now with Madam Web. I'm not I'm not saying they're wrong. And right. again, I think we would have to wait and see what this iteration of Madam Web even is. Maybe she won't be blind. Maybe she, maybe they're not going to have any of those disabilities. Maybe they're not going to want to have her sort of be in the daredevil area, and they're not going to have her be blind. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with her. So I think a we have to see and wait wait and see what this iteration of Madam Web is. But how do I say this? I would want to hear it, it. Let me put it this way: If it mm -hmm. does turn out that Madame Web is blind, yeah, I would want to hear from the blind community, yeah, and hear what they think. I think a lot of times in social media, and this goes for queer issues, it goes for lots of issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are complaining, and they're not always the people that are the aggrieved, the the ones the ones who uh, understand the issue the most. Yeah. That's a fair and I'm not point. saying that's the case here. I could be 100% wrong on that, but right. that is just where I would like to hear from the people that are the closest to this. And again, we don't know what that is because we don't know what they're doing with Madam Web. So once we know what Madam Web is going to be, I would be curious to hear from that community. Yeah, Shannon, let me read you some of these. Get your thoughts. Uh, comrade uh, Chris says, can't wait to watch Dakota Johnson sit in a chair and be blind for two and a half hours. Uh, crackhead Mihaw <laughs> says, Madam Webb is older and Dakota Johnson is not. Ageism in full effect here. Um, uh, was it uh, here? Michael MPH at Philly Part 2 says, there are only two outcomes here. Sony makes Dakota Johnson a not blind person, blind in the film, or they able wash the disability out of the character entirely. That's it. Two options. Both shitty. Uh, Andreas46 said, Madam Webb is canonically a blind character with myasthenia gravis. Disabled mimicry is so annoying. And before your comic book dweebs get your knickers in a twist, yes, I know about the Julia Carpenter version. This casting most likely means they'll introduce the OG Cassandra Webb combined with elements of Julia. So it'll still be disability erasure. So it's so, so specific in this anger. What do you think about these reactions and these some of these tweets? Well, again, thinking back, and again, I know so little about this character. Thinking back to the Spider-Man animated series, mm -hmm. um, I, I remember when she was sort of in that kind of astral plane where she was communicating telepathically with Peter. Um, and I could be wrong here. She got up and walked around. So, yeah. I mean, I think, th I think there's an argument to be made that this version of the character, when, you know, when she's sort of living in the real world, she she may be confined to a wheelchair. She may be blind. Yeah. But then when she goes, when she kind of activates her powers, that in that in that other realm, that that doesn't happen. Um, you know, you, you know, you think about Patrick Stewart playing Professor X. I mean, or James uh, McAvoy. Like, I don't feel like this outcry was there. And granted, I mean, time times have changed uh, considerably. Yeah. Um, there were, but there were both instances within both of those uh, versions of, the, of that character where they got up and walked around. So it's like, okay, what, what's the better choice? Right. Um, what's the right choice? Again, I agree with Vogel. Like, it would be interesting to hear a representative from that community. Yeah. Um, let, us know, let us know what they think, because they're the ones, as you said, John, they they're, could be considered the aggrieved party. Yeah. And, and Mike, I mean, the criticisms also helm from, like, we've seen deaf actors now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not as Sony, but certainly with yeah, Eternals. No, I mean, and so, look, yeah. with, with Eternals and with Hawkeye, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, they, they've definitely been going out and definitely casting um, exactly what the role is called for. So I think that 
that's absolutely a possibility. Yeah. And I and 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 kind of to John's point, I don't think that Dakota Johnson is such a huge get that you absolutely couldn't have cast somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Like I I, I don't yeah. think that if uh, it, again, it really just depends on what she's going to be like. Again, assuming that she is just blind. Uh, and that is what they're going to do with this character, which I would say is probably a safe bet. Mm. Um, is there a blind actress out there that could do just as good a job as Dakota Johnson? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there is. I mean, there's that's that's just true. And so in that case, maybe that is the way that they should go. Um, but again, it's sort of the same as, I mean, this comes up all the time, like with the gay community and the queer community is pretty split on oh, right about should an it. actor, should it, should a queer character always be played by queer characters only? Um, and if that's true, does that mean that a straight character can only be played by a straight actor? Um, and so the, there's a, the gay, the queer community is very split on that as well. And there's different arguments and opinions on both sides. So that's why I say I would prefer to hear from whatever community it is that this character ends up being before I really like solidified my opinion on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Okay. And uh, SJ Clarkson was going to be directing this. And remember she was recently tagged or attached to a Star Trek, the Star Trek film, and then was moved off it. She did, I think she's done episodes of game of Thrones. So this is a strong director for sure to kind of step in here. Um, All right. So let's move on to our next one. Um, uh, uh, Shannon McClung. Which would be trailers, trailer, 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 trailers. Wow. The reason we're doing cool. that is because our first trailer is going to be the, our first big look at Halo. Like we saw the teaser already, but now we've gotten a two minute trailer where you start to see a little bit more from the Covenant. You start to see a little bit more from the Master Chief and the Spartans. Um, the the look at the look of this of this series. Um, Halo is a big property. If if you, if you haven't played the video game. You know, it takes place, uh, you know, it's a it's a space epic, takes place on different planets, take, takes place on giant ships. Um, thinking that they were going to be able to bring this show um, to live action, it seemed like a pretty tall order. And based off this latest look, it looks like they have mostly succeeded. Mm. Um, there, there are a couple of shots in this trailer that were a little like, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but I'll toss it over to you guys first. What did you think of this uh, first full trailer for Halo? Mikey? Uh, it was really interesting. You know, usually when there's like these big geek trailers, it's something that I know pretty well. So watching it is sort of like, uh, it's the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I'm just like, hey, oh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, and Halo, I think I played it a little bit, but I was never like a huge Halo guy. So watching this trailer, I'm kind of going in cold. Uh, so the two things that I took away from it were one, it looks fucking expensive. Yeah. Uh, it definitely looks like they spent the money on it. But the other part, and this was kind of fun to be on the outside. Like usually, like I said, I'm the geek on the inside that's my friends are all texting me what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean and i'm explaining it this time i'm the one that's kind of like oh so what does this mean what does this mean but as someone who's coming into this completely cold like the trailer kind of hooked me like i was like okay i get what this is i see what this story is going to be and i'm kind of into it like i think this looks interesting to me i'll definitely check it out and i think that's really with it, you know, with all of these big IPs uh, that have like a lot of geek cred, a lot of fans that are being brought to the streaming services. So whether that be Wheel of Time or Lord of the Rings or Halo or any of those things, uh-huh. um, I think that the the real key is can you strike that balance between satisfying the fans that usually have very specific ideas of what they want to see, yeah. and also bringing in an audience that wants to watch this for the first time. 
Yeah. Um, and if you can find that balance, you've really, you really got something great. And at least based on this trailer, it makes me think that maybe they did because I'm definitely more invested in seeing this now than I was before where I was kind of yeah. like, cool, I'll check it out because I am a geek buddy, but now I actually genuinely want to watch it. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm excited to, to see it. I, I did a trailer reaction for it. And, and it's like Michael, I, I'm not a player of the game and I'm kind of on the outside. I think maybe we, did we try it in one of our game nights, Shannon? I don't remember. We've done Call of Duty. We did. It was, it was Halo. It was Halo 3. We Halo played, 3, yeah. played a little remember, bit of Halo was, 3 one night. And I was like, you can't play this in 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. So I would just sit back and watch <laughs> you guys play it. And so uh, I had a really good time watching that, but like, it's a massive sh- uh, um, uh, universe that Halo has with so many different moving pieces. And I really enjoyed the trailer. Here's some shots here. I mean, Shannon talks about how much money they spent. It definitely looks like they spent money on the overall look and the presentation of the trailer. I dug Master Chief's look. I like this kind of approach to it. Overall, looks badass. So for me, I enjoyed the trailer. I'm hooked. I want to see what they've got. Natasha McKellen, I've been a fan of her since the Truman Show. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see her, her be a part of this as well. And you can tell there are political dynamics here from the, from the Asian actress at the beginning who is like looking at Master Chief like some kind of um, uh, prison guard or warden who is, uh, you know, keeping her a little bit in a cage to where later where Master Chief grabs that uh, kind of stalagpipe, whatever that is, stalactite thing, and kind of changes his point of view and perspective and now realizes, oh, he's being used by the military, by these scientists. Now the Asian actress is all of a sudden on his, on his side and questioning whether he's really on their side. So certainly rebellion, empire, Star Wars stuff, you see the shades of it here throughout. So this looks exciting. I love uh, Pablo Schreiber as an actor. I want to see what we get from here. And this looks like, as Shannon said, they spent a lot of money. And so the overall look of it, uh, it hooks me. I hope the story hooks me as well. And I'm not going to play the game. So people say, play the game, play the game before you watch the. I want to watch Cold and then I'll play the game because the game's already good. I want to see if this series is good. And maybe we'll talk about it here on the show. Maybe we'll review it, guys. I don't know. If we all watch it, we might look at it, reviewing it down the road as well. So, yeah. I mean, my only hesitance with the trailer, and and you know, I can be a bit of a stickler for things that I that I do have uh, a, an attachment to, is those shots of the arbiters, which were those uh, warriors, alien warriors. They have the energy swords. It just looked a little not great, and and yeah. I think that is that is going to be the challenge. Is is it going to is that where is that going to take me out of it? Yeah, is yeah. because it does look like like they did spend a lot of money you can always spend more <laughs> yeah. to make something look better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can see in the background shots of the Warthog. That's the, that's the you know, the off-road vehicle that they use. So it, it, they seem to be sticking very closely design-wise mm-hmm. to the game. I mean, the, the story, obviously, I think they will, they will you know, uh, fit for, for what the story they need to tell. Right, right, or right. What a, or what a series would be. One thing that I will be curious of, and again, this would be something for, the halo purists out there mm-hmm. is you have such an unmistakable uh theme with with the score from halo and uh-huh. i personally was disappointed we didn't hear any of that like i want to hear that i want to hear that music i mean it's the same way with uncharted like uncharted like has such an incredible score i'm like oh my god if we don't get a little bit of that score i'll be disappointed and the same goes with halo but halo comes out on paramount plus march 24th so in just a little bit here so our next trailer, 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 trailer comes from the Netflix preview of the, all of their films coming out mm. in 2022. So this was not what you would call a proper trailer for anything because they probably showed 
I couldn't even count how many over yeah. over 25 I bet yeah. um and the uh uh quality of performer they have it seems like everybody's there I mean they have Halle Berry they have Kevin Hart they have Mark Wahlberg they have Ryan Reynolds, they have Ryan Gosling, they have Mark Ruffalo, they have Chris Evans, they have Charlize Theron, they have Kerry Washington. I mean, there are so many people in the Netflix movie world just for 2022. Um, Yeah, so gentlemen, I mean, it was obviously a very uh, quick look, little snippets of each film, but what did you all think of this look of what we're going to get from Netflix this year uh, (laughs) movie-wise? Mikey, what'd you think? The Hello? main thing oh. that I think, the main thing that I think about, the main thing that I took away from this yes. is that putting Jason Momoa in ridiculous ram horns, he's still just Jason Momoa and I don't care. Like he, Jason Momoa has mastered that. Yeah. This is who I am. And I'm going to play the exact same character in every movie that you see me in for the rest of our lives. And you're going to be cool with it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. Show me Slumberland, buddy. Uh, no, it was great. It was it was really interesting. You just, you really, it, it, it was an open question in that like, there's no doubt that Netflix spends money on their movies. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that Netflix gets some of the biggest names in the world at this point. And they have stacked the deck. And like this trailer was like, just fuck you money. Not only in the <laughs> amount of star power that they had in this trailer, right. but the fact that they got all these stars to look directly to the screen and be like, I'm going to talk to you about Netflix. <laughs> like it was just, it was just, okay, Netflix, we get it. Um, whether these movies are all going to be good. I think we've seen that when Netflix announces that they have an original movie, no matter how good it looks and no matter how many people are in it, that yeah. doesn't always mean it's going to be great. Right. Um, and, you know, for Netflix, I don't think that that, that that matters as much as some other things. I think as long as they get the clicks, as long as they get the views, I think as long as they have the people subscribing to their streaming service, they're happy. So I, it, it, it all looked cool. I mean, um, you know, obviously the really quick look that we got at Knives Out 2, I think, has everybody excited. <laughs> um, but the Adam Project looks really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's about, I believe it's about like a, a guy who time travels back and like hangs out with himself to try and save the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, like at Slumberland, like any fantasy movie looks interesting. Even if Jason Momoa's got giant ram horns, I'm on board. I'm into it. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I, I saw that little clip of the uh, the school for good and evil, which I thought looked really neat. And then when it was Kerry Washington and Charlie's Throne, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, so all the gays are going to watch this one. So, like <laughs> every single one of these looked kind of really interesting in its own way. Yeah. And the fact that Netflix, I mean, kind of seems like they're trying to do it. Like, we're going to give you a movie a week, whether it's actually a week or a movie every other week or what it is like. They're just trying to be like, we are going to give you something new to watch yeah. that is movie theater quality on such a regular basis that you have to just you you can't not have netflix and so in that way i thought it was a really effective trailer i love this trailer i mean (laughs) every movie looks like they spent a lot of money on the movie the animated ones look fantastic love the little shots of those stuff 
as well. Love seeing Mila Kunis come in and leading another movie. That's great to see on Netflix. For me, it immediately, you know, in my head, I'm always thinking of the channel. And in my head, I was thinking to myself, okay, I can just start Netflix Tuesdays. And every ne- every Tuesday, I'm just going to review a new Netflix film that they drop here because there's this many people, so much talent. Being- Eddie Murphy, for God's sakes, was just kind of thrown in there halfway through. I'm like, what? it's Eddie Murphy. And so to me, I'm just like, this is so interesting that Hemsworth, yes. And Mike, you wonder, do they shoot these things while they're shooting these movies and go, hey, oh, by yeah. the way, you got to do a line here saying, hey, I literally, way, yeah, I literally thought about that. I was like, this has to be like, did they just be like, hey, here's your Netflix money. Go make yeah. your movie. By the way, we need you to say this and please just send it to us. And you're like, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know what it was? You know what, you know what also made me think of? It was, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like, it, it all, it, I just laughed halfway through the trailer. I was like. They saw that Nicole Kidman before the AMC movie thing come in, yeah. and they were like, oh, I got you, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Now you got every one of your actors being like, come to the movies. <laughs> I mean, Gosling doing the whole stunt on top of the train while he's talking to the camera was one of my favorites. And the look, I'm no big Jennifer Lopez fan in terms of her movies. Certainly that new one, Marry Me, looks horrific. Uh, but um, her, the mother, that if that's a good movie, I would be excited for her. Because I, you know, a gritty, gritty movie like that could be exploring some kind of action or some kind of uh, stuff that's going on here. I don't even know the plot of any of these movies uh, as I was watching this stuff, which kind of got me even more excited. I could fill in the blanks myself, well, and then we'll see get, what, what is. Yeah, gets you excited. That's also where they tend to fall down. So yeah, that's right. Nervous as well. <laughs> You know, but, I, but I also think because if they've, they've released trailers like this, a couple of trailers like this before, Mike, but I think and Shannon, but I think even more so now when their numbers have come back over the last quarter and they're down. And so we're seeing now that finally these streaming services are starting to catch up and put a huge dent in Netflix's numbers. And so clearly they went out and spent some money, got some people and, uh, you know, because I'm sure they projected their numbers out a while ago. So. They've spent the money. Now it's can they make the good movies, which is the valid point you're bringing up, Michael, because spend all the money you want. If no one's watching your movies and they suck, what's the point? And then other streaming services now have like Apple TV is making some damn good content quietly, step by step uh, with all the money they have. So you're going to have to compete with a lot of eyes now to get people to keep subscribing to your channel. Um, And certainly with the financial stuff and whatever, it's 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 a it's a battle consistently so we're having battles in the studios and battles and streaming services going on it's it's going to be super intense as we go along but certainly a lot of great uh, actors and a lot of interesting looking moves from this trailer for sure of the tidal wave of titles that we saw yeah do, do you guys have a pick i think vogel said slumberland already no well i mean i think that Ooh, good question that, i mean look i think that i think that if you just have to take knives out two out of it I mean, yeah, I think that like right. I think that like knowing that Knives Out Two is Ryan Johnson, uh, I think it almost sort of like separates itself from the pack because I'm just I'm not banking on Netflix's creative. I'm banking on Ryan Johnson's creative, and yeah. if he if if Knives Two is remotely like Knives Out, that's going to be one of the better of the batch. Everything else is sort of like a giant question mark. That Sea Serpent movie, the CG yeah. animated one, like. I know nothing about it aside from the two seconds of footage, but it looked amazing. Like the the footage yeah. looked great, so I'm intrigued by that. Um, the key, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio kind of freaks me out. Yeah, it makes me it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's I'm just you got one, Johnny. 
Yeah, I got uh, certainly uh, the the Ryan Gosling one, as I mentioned, the Gray Man, I think is what it's called. That one looks yeah. really interesting. Kind of has shades of um, oh, what was the one that Chris Hemsworth did on Netflix? Evacuate, excavate. What is it called? Uh, uh, is it? It's not excavation. Extraction. Uh, extraction. Extraction. That's yeah. what it is. And having him go to toe to toe with uh, with uh, with um, uh, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans. funny. Um, I love that they clone Tyrone. That, that that name just alone gets me excited to see what this is all about. They clone Tyrone is a great title. Right? And, and like, the, it's, the just, the it's just a good. great, great title. Right. And then the cut, and then right after that is Carter, which looks like this Asian, probably, possibly, I'm not sure what, I don't want to speculate what country it's from, but like, it looks pretty badass. Like someone takes this kid from this dude. So this guy's got to get this kid back. So boom, that's that kind of stuff really excites me. So, so those are the three that stood out for me. And that sea creature thing coming out of the water, the animated one, that looks fantastic. So uh, I'm curious to see what that's going to lead to for sure. And of course, Adam Project. And don't tell me you didn't get Harry Potter vibes from the school of good and evil, for God's sake. That oh, yeah. Very Harry Potter-ass. Oh, yeah. The, the the wide shot of wherever the school is, the castle. Yeah. It's like, wow, but this then is also, very... But then also, Charlize, Charlize and Carrie Washington in those wigs, it was like... Please. It was I'm like it was like Hogwarts school of witchcraft and drag race. I was I was into it. Like, yeah. I was like, let's, let's do it. Let's it's do it. It's more like Hogwarts school of... Oh, my God. <laughs> as, as harry potter and them spoke about when the boba Dodd showed up um all right uh, there you go so anything else on, the, on those trailers there shannon no no we got a lot of movies to watch on netflix this year though we do we do all right, let's jump into the stuff I, I want to talk about real quick before we get to our main topic here and that's john bernthal there are rumors going around that are starting to persist here it's being reported that john bernthal will be returning as the punisher in uh, the MCU, that's is, this is starting to get as this is reported as a scoop, uh, possibly here on Twitter. Now you don't want to get too insane, and you know until it's official, until Marvel says it. Um, but uh, the article here says that the new, there's a new Punisher series in the works, and that details will be revealed down the road about it. So and we already saw Charlie Cox being a part of Spider-Man No Way Home, and certainly everybody afterwards was like, "When's Bernthal coming back?" Because people loved that first season of Punisher. Second season, eh. But first season certainly was a great Punisher series. In my opinion, was the number one of all those Netflix shows. That season was my favorite season of all of them. And I know it's just my own personal opinion. So having him come back, are you guys excited? Do you, first of all, do you believe he's coming? This is not official statements, but it seems to be growing, this belief that he's coming back. Do you think this report, this scoop is true? And second, what do you want to see uh, John Bernthal's Punisher be? in a Marvel Disney PG-13 universe. I know Deadpool's going R, but I mean, I don't know how you do Punisher PG-13. I just don't know how you do that. Well, it also, it depends if he starts off in a Punisher series. One, it could be similar to what the Netflix series did and they introduce him in something else. Oh, not um, again. We already saw him though, man. I mean, we already saw the backstory. My, I have oh. a guess, but, but, but I think the possibility is certainly there. I mean, the Charlie mm -hmm. Cox... Vincent D'Onofrio situation has definitely proven that Marvel will be like, all right, let's let's see what worked in the past yeah. that we didn't necessarily do, and let's and let's put it to work. Yeah. Um, so the idea that him being in the MCU, I think, is very exciting. With what was established in the Netflix shows, it, it's it's see it seems like it could be hard to to put him into the current MCU just because the character is kind of like at least with his series it was such a hard r 
Yeah. It was so violent. It was so bloody. But I think there's a scenario where he could end up in Armor Wars. Um, oh. that scene, uh, of the things that have been announced, looking like, where could you put Frank Castle? Right. That Right now, at least, that's the only one I could see him possibly being in. And I, and I have no no evidence of that. That's just looking at their slate. And it's like, yeah, I could see him in there. Whether or not that'll happen, I don't know. I mean, Deadpool being such a hard R because of the comedy and the yeah. nature of the character, um, I, I think they're more willing to do that versus the extreme violence that is typically associated with the Punisher. But I don't know. I mean, at this point, it seems like the it's it's a blue sky. Yeah, Mikey, he's crossed over in the comics into like Spider-Man and where they haven't gone, seen blood and guts and all this kind of stuff. So it is possible, but would you want to see that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why everybody thinks that this is such like a monumental divide. Like, we, we've had Clint Barton be Ronin, who went and killed a bunch of people while yeah, he was Ronin. hands get lopped off, though. Well, but that's my point. We know Winter Soldier was an assassin that had to, like, make up for all of the killing that he did. Like, it no. is not like no one in the MCU has been a cold-blooded killer. Right. Multiple characters have. And I think that what we're really saying is that in particularly in other people's movies or if he shows up in other movies he can still be the punisher he can be the exact same character playing him in the exact same way and can still be like i'm gonna take justice into my own hands and kill people maybe we don't hear every bone break and see every spurt of blood but like that's okay like if they get the character right and thus far in 25 movies, they've shown that they're pretty good at getting the character right. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy for him to join the Marvel Universe and we tone down on the violence so it goes from R to PG-13. Like, if he showed up in the Marvel Universe and all of a sudden was like, I know that I'm Frank Castle, but I've decided that I like hugs. <laughs> then okay, then everyone was right and Disney ruined it and we can all agree that it was horrible. But like, I don't think that that's gonna happen. So, um, look, I love the Punisher series. Oh at least the first season as much as you guys did and i'm super happy that we got to see that punisher and i do think that were he to come into the mcu proper there would be certain movies and certain places where him being a bit more violent would be appropriate and certain movies where him still being the same character but it's not quite as violent in its execution also don't forget between Moon Knight and Blade and everything else we're coming, Frank Castle can also go up against a lot of supernatural, alien, and other threats in the MCU where you can let him loose and he can lop off as many heads as you want. So there's a lot of ways that you can bring him in where I think it will work fine and be appropriate to the tone that the MCU has set up uh, and still be true to what he's been so far, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I want to see him. Do you believe? But do you believe the reports? Do you think he's coming back? Do you? Do you? Do you I guess listen, real quick. Do you, do you believe? Based on based on Charlie Cox and uh, D'Onofrio coming back as Kingpin, like I think the question is not will any of these characters show up. The question is which ones won't. Like it really boils down to who did Kevin Feige think was cast well, yeah, and who did Kevin Feige think was not great. And so I think in that case. I think that like Daredevil and Kingpin were definites. I think that Punisher is the next most definite. Then I think you get into a Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, maybe. And then I think there's a giant jump where you're like, I think you guys are all going to be waiting for that phone call for a while. Right. Good point. And they might recast Iron Fist with an Asian character and kind of redo that whole backstory. Don't you think? I I mean, I think, I think if they don't, it would be better to let that fist lie. (laughs) 
don't disagree with you at all. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if they recast Jessica Jones, the Kristen Ritter fans are going to go insane. Are going to be well, people. People but I mean, I think, love look, I think, her as Jessica. I think with her, with her, most definitely, and to a degree, Luke Cage. Oh yeah, agreed. I think yes. I think that they were both cast so well for those yeah. roles yeah. that if you want to use those characters and you've already kind of opened the door to say those things are at least somewhat canon yeah. for both of them it would be silly to recast i think they both I did agree. such a good job as those characters once you get past them i think everyone else is like uh you can go either way on it oh yeah and it's kind of smart too that they're, they're keeping they're as much as they're as we've said this or i've said this a number of times like as much as they're spin out in the galaxy they are going to build this kind of ground level even in new york if, if for lack of no other city even in new york they're going to build a ground level approach to the MCU with Moon Knight and what have you. So that's exciting to see them doing that. Even with Hawkeye, if he goes West yeah. Coast or stays, either way, it just, it'd be exciting to see a ground-level Marvel that's happening on the streets with Daredevil and all of that that I think will be fun. And even a new Spider-Man, if there's a new Spider-Man or Tom Holland, I don't know, but it'll be fun to have that along with these well, Marvel uh, crossovers. Look, one of the most <laughs> epic moments in Marvel history, which many of us are hoping that we get to see at some point, mm -hmm. and one of the things that most people think is like an iconic moment is all of the Marvel heroes gathering together to fight Galactus. Yes. And oh, the God. only way that you can actually pull that off, to your point, is you have to spend a lot of time building up the cosmic shit mm -hmm. so that we will accept a giant man in a purple helmet showing up to eat Earth. But you also have to build up the ground level yeah. so that we can be excited about all of these people that have absolutely no chance yeah. of fighting the giant purple helmeted man, fight the giant purple helmeted man. So yeah. like we, you need to do both. And so whether that is what we get or some other version of that with Celestials or anything else, having those ground level heroes up against something that is that big and cosmic is yeah. I think what everyone is hoping we get to. Yeah. Well, speaking of cosmic, let's hit our last uh, subject here in this uh, first block of uh, of the show here, and that is these new Doctor Strange two Multiverse of Madness posters that dropped. I'm going to share them on the screen here through Twitter. These just to get through. Yeah, these are the posters. Look Ooh, pretty bad. This is, for the people, this is for the people that are just listening on the podcast since they can't see it. I'm just giving them some sound effects. That's yeah, good sound effects. You're giving them right there. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm taking our graphics down here so the people can see our reactions to it. But yeah, these look pretty awesome. Uh, we got wow. the different colors here the red, green, and the light blue or turquoise or whatever hue you want to call that. That also mirrors what you see here in the strange posters. All three of these. Uh, There's three of them. <laughs> have we added a new variant here? And by the way, these are by from uh, Red Wolf. You can go take a look at them on the Red Wolf website. There's about there's about 18 of these. There are different variations of this, and I did not have time to load all of them and go through them. But these are pretty incredible in terms of uh, giving you the vibe of what Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness is going to be all about. So, gentlemen, what did you think of these posters here? As I put our graphics back up here, what did you all think? You know, Marvel has gotten dinged somewhat justifiably in the past for sort of the uh, cut and paste poster, the Photoshop poster. This is not that. I mean, this is very much, uh, uh, you know, you could you could argue this is very much this is artistry. This is like right out of a this is right out of a comic book. Um, yeah. Whether or not this is what that, a version of this is what they do for that main poster, which I do think suffers from sort of the Photoshop problem. We'll see. But I mean, they also released a, a Wanda poster as well. Yes. Yes. That just looked awesome. And there's there was another one that's uh, uh, Strange and Wanda together, 
where they're literally, it looks like they're both kind of coming, coming apart, like in ribbons. Got a um, face? Yes. Yeah. Which just looks so, so cool. And, you know, think, thinking to the poster that the, the teaser poster that they released for Moon Knight. Yeah. Like something so simplistic, but it's so effective. I love when the marketing department lets them kind of flex their creative muscles like this. Cause I think you get things that are very eye catching and very resonant. This is what you're talking about, which is really, yep. really cool. The ribbons and the, for those of you who are listening to us, you can watch this or, or Google it. Just wow. type in. Multiplicity. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael, what do you think of these posters? As I put us back together again, what do you think of these posters? Man? I mean, I think Shannon's right. I think they're gorgeous. And I think that yeah. I do think that both you saw this with Spider-Man no way home as well. After the movie came out, after we got like the main Spider-Man poster, they started releasing a bunch of other posters that looked much cooler. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're, I think they are sort of pushing the, pushing the limits and not doing just the typical Marvel thing. Yeah. I also think, you know, like I can't all, I always can't help but look at these and like look for the hints. Like, I don't know oh, yeah. that we're necessarily getting, that we're necessarily getting the dark, oh, I almost said it. The yeah, dark you did. variant. Mm, nope. Dark door strange. Nope. I, I literally did almost say it. Now I'm going to go punch myself <laughs> in the face. Um, <laughs> I don't know that we're specific, and maybe we will, but I mean, it made me wonder. I don't know that we're specifically getting that version of Doctor Strange for this movie, or if we do, it's just sort of an inference that he's that one, but that we don't need to know all of you. wouldn't have had to have watched What If to know who he was, but the idea that what we saw in that episode of What If opened us up to the concept of multiple Doctor Stranges that's making way for us to see however many different Doctor Stranges here. I do think, uh, you know, It'll be really interesting to see what all of these Doctor Stranges do. I think, you know, leading up to any of these movies, Spider-Man No Way Home particularly, we love to conjecture and we love to talk about what we think this is and what we think, it. oh my gosh, was that really Doctor Strange or his hair was different? So does that mean that's the evil Doctor Strange from the thing? And usually it's never as complicated as we want to make it and they actually manage to do something that is satisfying in its execution for all the nerds but simple so that anybody going into the movie theater can understand it so i have a feeling that as much as we think they're going to be biting off in the multiverse of madness i it's still going to have to be something that you could walk into that theater with your popcorn sit down and more or less understand um so i'm curious to see how all of these doctor stranges come into play yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm curious too. I'm looking forward to it. I think the designs look fantastic. I wish I could get all three posters and then line them up right behind me to cover up these blinds. I would absolutely get it because it looks stellar. It looks fantastic and gives me more. And so the anticipation for this movie, here we go again, right? Spider-Man No Way Home, the anticipation was off the charts. Uh, and even with the crappy posters, which some people did not like, the anticipation was still off the charts. And then, by the way, someone put the little Hobgoblin or what a Green Goblin thing at the back of some poster over the last couple of weeks, and I lost my shit, just absolutely lost my shit. And just like them sliding that, I think it was on the book of Boba Fett or something like that, sliding in that guy. <laughs> it was genius. But either way, we're getting the hype train is going to start building for this one as well, because it's the next step in the multiverse and bringing, fleshing out the multiverse. And you wonder if Sam Raimi is going to be able to step up to the plate with something like this. So very, very curious, but certainly the artwork it, is very uh, exciting. It gets you very excited to see what we're going to get. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break here and then we'll jump into our main topic, talking about Luke, Leia, Solo, Lando, all of these legacy characters possibly coming back now uh, after what we saw in episode six of The Book of Boba Fett with Luke Skywalker. We'll be right back right after this. 
That's good. That's good. That's good. That's a little mood, a little set the mood. I liked it. Got the double twos there right at the end that worked so so well uh, all right well here we are we're going into our main topic here on the show and as i just said before the break it is dealing with the idea of bringing back these legacy characters to maybe tell more stories mike and i touched on it with shannon last week the idea of the possibility michael seemed to be a little hesitant or a little like, like there's no need to tell these stories but we've since had conversations after that episode six and things have maybe changed a little bit here, seeing the technology from this uh, YouTuber that they hired to help do the deepfake technology. I'm not saying I'm not putting everything in uh, on his credit, but certainly he was a part of this thing. And well, he certainly helped. He certainly hurt. helped. That's for sure. The, 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 and seeing what we got from the episode six here. And by the way, if you haven't seen episode six, this is going to be all spoiler talk. So if you haven't seen episode six, uh, stop right here, go watch it, and and then join us here. But the uh, Mike and Shannon. What are your minds now going to in, after we saw the incredible work that was done with Luke that was much better than the good work that was already done in at the end of the Mandalorian season two? What did you re- oh, first of all, what was your reaction? And then what do you think about where we might be going with the if these characters could come back? Well, I, I thought it was super cool. One, I, I thought it looked incredible, but as his scenes started, the scenes with him and Grogu, grew, yeah. um, Luke's first few lines um, were off camera, and then they were at a distance, and then slowly they started to come in. So as, as amazing as the, uh, the visual is, there is still sort of a weirdness with the mouth. Like, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. see the Uncanny Valley uh, in Luke's eyes, but I do think there's a weirdness with the mouth. And maybe this is where Luke's character is right now. Um, but I just feel like, and again, I don't know how they did this. I don't know if Mark Hamill was on sets and they used the double or if it was just the double and Mark Hamill came in and recorded the lines afterwards. Yeah, he's um, credited as the voice in an IMDb. So. Within the performance, I don't know, for me, as much as I enjoyed it, there was... For me, an emotional um, disconnect really? between okay. between the voice and between what I was looking at. Okay. Now, and I felt the same thing even at the end of Rogue One with Leia. Like it was so mm-hmm. amazing to see her, and because she had just passed away, um, you know that was such a that was such a moving moment. But going back and watching it again, it's like ah, it just it just doesn't look quite right. And depending uh, depending on where the technology gets to in the next few years, at this point. I would say no. I I don't necessarily need them or want them to come back. Okay. Partly because I feel like the, the Star Wars galaxy is so big oh, and yeah. it's expanding. There we go. Um, and go you ahead, don't man. necessarily need to go to the well with those characters. Um, I, I don't know if we'll see Luke again after this in this season of the Book of Boba Fett. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I don't feel like you need. I don't feel like you need to use those characters again. I feel like there's new characters that you can introduce. That's not to say that in a few years, once the technology, if and when the technology does catch up, um, that's not to say that it's not possible in the future, down the line, but right now, that is not something I need. Okay. Mikey? (laughs) I 
I'm torn on it because, as you know, like we talked about this, and yeah. I'm not as I'm not as firm as I was when we argued it last week because then we had this whole argument last week. We all watched chapter six of Book of Boba, and we all screamed and texted each other, and holy yeah. shit, this was amazing. So clearly, if you, I am a nerd. If you put these characters in front of me on screen and give me stories, I will have an emotional response. It works. Like I, it, I, I'm on board. I will. The nostalgia buttons are hit. I get excited. I start weeping. It's a whole thing. It's great. Um, I, I, you know, I don't. To, to Shannon's point, I'm not so worried about the technology. If going from the end of season two of Mandalorian into what we saw in Book of Boba is a jump that took however long it took the fact that they're going to get there and get rid right. of all the small because i i agree with some of the things shannon said they clearly shot around the constraints of what they could do luke yes. is standing pretty still a lot you know he's not overacting not right. that mark hamill as luke was ever you know acting for the rafters but you know there there's definitely a stiltedness to luke's performance that i think is because of where the technology is. Mm -hmm. I think they're probably going to solve for all of those things. I think we, we with the speed with which visual effects happen these days, if it's not a year from now, it's two years from now, if it's not two years, you know, it's, they're going to get to the point where they could seamlessly give us any performance. So then yeah. you get to the question of like, okay, well, how far is too far? Like Mark Hamill kind of still being around and whether he's actually lending his voice to this or just giving it the blessing and they're taking his vocal performances from previous things and mixing and matching or whatever it is they're doing to get that young Mark Hamill voice. He's around and he's kind of giving his okay. Yes. If Harrison Ford wants to get a paycheck and he says, yeah, I let him do whatever the fuck they want. Who cares? I'm smoking weed. Great. Like, like let him do his thing. But then you get into allegedly, like the allegedly. I don't want to get us in trouble. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, th I think I think you're protected. <laughs> okay. Um, I was watching the geek, the nerd pals, or something. They said I smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. Um. <laughs> uh, but like the Carrie Fisher of it all, uh, it does start to get a little weird now. And what I mean is like using Carrie Fisher's likeness. Like all of a sudden having some CG Carrie Fisher running around, you're like, oh, this starts to feel a little weird. So then you get to, well, can you recast these characters and have somebody else play them? And like, you can, and I'm sure that at a certain point people will be okay with that as well. Yeah. So it, I'm torn because given the nature of the way Star Wars storytelling exists, right. we have huge gaps of 20 years, 30 years, where there's plenty of stuff to fill in. And part of the joy of Clone Wars the Animated Series is, in the animated sense, they filled in those gaps. We got Anakin, Obi-Wan, uh, Padme, Palpatine, uh, Mace Windu. Yoda. Like, we got stories with all these characters that we never got in live action. And that's what made that era, at least for me, really come to life. Right. And so, yeah, seeing the beginnings of Luke's Jedi Temple being built, oh. knowing where he was at the end of Jedi, and knowing where he is in Force Awakens, like, that is great, you know? Yeah. To your point, John, about the novel Bloodlines, like seeing yeah. um, a post-Return of the Jedi Leia dealing with the beginnings of the New Republic, there are great stories there. Seeing what happens with uh, Han and Leia as Ben is born, the yeah. moment when Ben goes to with Luke to the Jedi Temple, we know what these things all mean. So seeing those stories brought to life is always going to be powerful to us. Yeah. To Shannon's point, 
if we just focused on those stories, we would never get the next Rex or Ahsoka or uh, or Fennec Shand or Bad Batch. And so Star Wars has done such a good job creating new characters. So I think there is a balance. I think where appropriate uh, in small doses, getting these hints of nostalgia, getting these hints of characters, if you can do it in the right way, it's great. My fear is that executives see exactly how much we're all freaking out about chapter six of book of boba and just like sony does with their spider-man movies is going all right shit that's the button that's the button let's just keep hitting that button over and over give them young give them young han give them lando give them leia give them all the stuff and it's like at a certain point that's going to be a problem so i think that you can do it in small doses in service to new characters and new stories the young Luke Skywalker Chronicles. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to see that. No, um... <laughs> how much younger do you want to see him? He, he wasn't doing a lot on Tatooine. That's what we found out in the first Star Wars. <laughs> Apparently, movie. we got to get a Die Hard prequel. I don't get. I don't catch him going in the Nakatomi Plaza until that. So anyway, um, <laughs> no, look, I, I take your points, obviously, and, and and yes, both of you make excellent points about the fact that look, there's more than just Luke Skywalker and them. But a lot of what we've seen is tied to either Anakin or Luke. It is within the timeline, which is something I brought up weeks ago on this show. Although we're creating new characters and we're exploring new stories, we're still basically in the same time frame in all these projects that have come out, except for maybe the books with High Republic and Thrawn and all that kind of stuff. That's maybe a different uh, different time. But still, all of it seems to be interconnected around this timeline. So... Yes, the idea of Luke coming in. I mean, I don't think they're going, I green like that Luke series now. I can't imagine they'd be doing that because that's going to take a lot of effort. And we'll well, sir, you you've never been in an executive boardroom. <laughs> that's fair. They, that's fair. They say um, some stupid shit. But this idea that I, I think like Leia is a possibility now because they already CGI'd her in Rogue One. That was kind of the first step. And then this Luke and Luke showing up at the Mail season two was like a bigger step. Now Luke showing up here with better with a better look is the next step in the process. And so I think they're warming us up to this possibility step by step by step, and then surrounding it with fantastic stories like stuff out of the Book of Mandalorian, like Rogue One, so that you're kind of combine you're, you're remembering it in a project that you enjoyed. If they did a CGI solo in Solo, a Star Wars story, which was admittedly a divisive film, I think people would have a different feeling about it. And so I think because they're doing it this way, um, the possibilities exist. Now, Michael, what you said is something I hadn't considered, which I think is is a way to do it, which is in doses. You have a you have a Han Solo scene or you have a Leia scene or a Lando scene where they're de-aged. And they could still do the voices. As far as uh, Carrie Fisher, I mean, that's a Billy Lord situation. Is she cool with it? Because I imagine she doesn't want to play legs. That's a lot of pressure to put on a young actress. Well, and also she's she's played a character. Like it would right. Like, she's if, if, if they yeah, I mean, if they yeah, augmented I mean, her, that'd be one thing. But. Yeah. Plus this legacy. I mean, if you watch Postcards from the Edge, I mean, it's like Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds had a great relationship. So the last <laughs> thing you want to do is have yet another daughter playing, you know, kind of carrying on the legacy, playing a mom and stuff like that. It just would be weird. So I've seen Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I think that's certainly a possibility to open the door and explore the possibility of recasting. I'm cool with it. I just, I just like that we're getting to the spot finally. We're done with this idea of like, you know, oh, you can't possibly tell Luke stories or Leia stories or 
Han stories. They're, they're so, these characters are very rich. And yes, I'm an original trilogy guy, so I get it. People came into Star Wars from another place. I mean, when Laura says she didn't really have a connection to Boba, it, it, it really kind of, like, I, the, the hair on my neck rises. When my friend Maggie Lovett there, when we do the um, Hollywood Critics After Show for Boba Fett, when she says, I didn't really care about Luke, and now I do. I'm like, eh, what? And so it's a very foreign thing to me, but you have to create the space. So now kind of bringing these legacy characters back with these other newer characters, um, I think, and someone mentioned this in the, in the Twitch show I did earlier uh, on Friday um, with uh, Wendy, that they could bring these legacy characters back and give us the reunion we didn't get in the sequels, sequel trilogy. See, that, uh, I know see. people might bristle at that, but I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I, 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 with Carrie Fisher gone, I don't think that, you don't care the way no i really don't I also i also think there's here's i'm trying to think the right way to put it the reason that luke is effective yeah, in yeah. this episode of boba fett um is that we are very invested in the story of dinjarin and grogu yeah yeah, yeah. And it makes 100% logical sense that Grogu would go to the Jedi Temple at this point in the history of right. the Star Wars universe. Right, right, right. But Luke is used as he is an obstacle to Grogu and Din Djarin's relationship. Yes, he it is. is not, this is not about Luke. We were not telling the story of Luke's struggles starting the Jedi Temple. Right. We are telling a story about Din Djarin and how he wants to be here and luke is a part of this device and so i think that if we were again carrie fisher issues aside because it mm -hmm. does make me feel kind of awkward but like if we are going to tell a story about the trouble that the new republic is having out on the outer rim because the new republic uh pilots can't keep the peace out there and we go back to the capital which is on uh, i can't remember the name i'm gonna mm -hmm. lose my star wars cred but we go back to the capital and we're in the a meeting and no 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 no. that's oh. not the capital of the new republic man they're not gonna put the new capital where the old capital was that place is <laughs> bad juju man coruscant is not the capital of the new republic it's the place that gets exploded at the beginning of force away in, in Hosnian force prime is that what you're talking about Hosnian Hosnian prime. prime yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh God, Shannon, what's the matter with you? Um, <laughs> but no, my point is, if we were going to see Leia briefly in that respect, you know, like yeah, the yeah. places where these characters should pop up in service to the new characters, if we're gonna all of a sudden have this entire, like, let's do a whole Luke Han Leia reunion and they're really carrying this and it's not any of the actors, like yeah. that starts to feel like, why are we telling this story? Yeah. Like these, you're I, yeah. like you're right that these characters do exist. Yeah, and it would be, and even though I thought this is what they were going to do in Mandalorian, it would be silly to try and work around these characters in the places where it just makes sense. Like Grogu is a Jedi. Grogu has the Force. He needs to be trained. Who is naturally going to show up? It should be Luke. So yeah. it makes so much sense that it makes sense for it. If you start manufacturing reasons for them to show up, I think it starts to get weird. Well, with Leia, I think it's a different situation, isn't it? Because Leia, I mean, she's not some farmer on some random planet on the outer rim. Like, she's leading the fucking new Republic. So I just feel like you've got to see that makes more sense to weave her into this. Solo is the tough fit, right? Solo is the random tough fit that you could put in this. Because what is he doing? Is he still... 
you know, is he trying to make it work wherever they're yeah. living, you know, being a stay at home dad, or is he still out there trying to show I want to see, I want to see the Han Solo, Mr. Mom, Disney plus series. <laughs> Chewy in an apron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to your point, John, I mean, I think, honk for I think you can will honk for porks. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. I, th- I think you can tell that story about about the New Republic forming and have Leia be a presence, yeah. um, but but the story itself would be about different characters. Like I think you can have her, you can have you know her her spirit be there. Well, you can you can you can have a a a, a, a hologram of her at a conference, but I don't think I don't think you put her in the forefront. So you're still holding on. You're still holding on to this, are you? Like you, for you, it would really bother you. I mean, look, I, I, I'm like you guys. I, I'm I'm a Star Wars fan. If they yeah. make that, and I think it's a bad idea, I'm still going to go see it. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but but like like after uh, Rise of Skywalker, I'll look over when it's not good and be like, "Told you so." Is this coming from an actor point of view? Like you don't like the fact that they can CGI you, and like you know, this is something people have been talking about for decades, right? Ever since they did that <laughs> that Fred Astaire commercial and other people commercials, like, wait, what the hell? And it, it kind of died down, and now it's starting to come back in ways. You know, we had that hologram of Tupac performing a concert that people were freaking out about. So, uh, and there were rumors that James Dean would they were going to redo James or CGI James Dean into a movie. Um, and, and what have you. So do you, is this from an actor place that you're like, Hey man, don't replace us with CGI stuff. Um, no, because as, an actor, as an actor who's had a special effect over their face for one ah, of their performances, fair. I'm very acquainted with the fact <laughs> that we, that we are the most expendable part of a production. No, I, I mean, it's, it's probably just nostalgia and okay. like I, the, the idea of recasting or, or doing it uh, as a special effect, as a visual effect, it's just not something that it's just not my jam. Um, fair enough. But, but like, I thought the last episode was was fantastic. Even if yeah. I didn't love every part of it, I still thought it was really great. And mm. if they're able to pull off, like if the technology is able to get to that point, and we do see on on the either big screen or small screen, we see how Ben Solo gets that you know turn to the dark side, and we get to watch that. Uh, great, awesome. Um, I, you know, but just for me, it's there's just there's just roadblocks in between that and it being satisfying yeah mike you might be right i mean what if this had been 42 minutes of luke with grogu would people have picked it apart you know yeah i think and look i think that first of all i think 42 minutes of luke and grogu the seams of what they're capable of doing to shannon's point would have shown a little bit more yeah that's what i mean um but i but like i said i think that's going to become a non-issue in a couple years Mm -hmm. i think you're right in that i think leia when you look at star wars and like them telling stories in this pocket between jedi and force awakens yeah leia is one of the bigger challenges because she's not around anymore um since carrie fisher passed away but she looms larger over the star wars universe than most characters uh she while luke was uh while luke gave everything up and left to octo and han went back to smuggling leia kept doing her thing and trying to save the galaxy like she's the character that arguably has the most story to tell and she's also the one that it gets a little weird as far as telling those stories. So I agree with Shannon. I think that if they're going to continue telling stories in this era, I don't think you can avoid Leia. I think you have to, you you would have to work hard to avoid her. But I think how they choose 
to go about filling in her parts of the story as we are following the stories of these other characters. You know, like, let's just say that in season three of The Mandalorian, Din Djarin works some shit out and ultimately figures out a way to give Bo-Katan the Darksaber, and Mandalore now has to deal with the New Republic. Well, I want to see Bo-Katan have a conversation with Leia. Like, the Star Wars nerd in me goes, that just makes good sense. How they handle doing that, that's going to be the real question. When she shows up next week in Mandalorian... (laughs) <laughs> hey man, John's batting average is high enough that you do not dismiss his ideas. <laughs> you never know. I'm crazy enough. I know what 50 year old men would do with these characters. So I just, uh, anyway. All right. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, there, let, let's wrap it up there. We got to get on out of here. We're over an hour on this show. Thank you all so much for joining us and watching us here on the geek buddies. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. And for everyone who congratulated me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, thank you very much. That was incredibly nice. It was uh, Mikey. Well, we really enjoy doing the Geek Buddies, and we hope that they never replace us with CG versions of ourselves. Uh, And the way that you can help us make sure that that never, ever happens, except maybe Mr. McClure over here, uh, here's a couple things that you can do for us. Uh, Definitely smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, and check out all the amazing content that he's got there. Leave your comments below. Um, What did you think of all the Netflix trailers? Are you excited for Madam Web? Uh, are you excited for the Marvel movies? And what do you think about this whole Star Wars debate? More Luke, Leia, Han, Lando stories? Or should we go in a new direction? Is there a balance to both? Let us know in the comments below. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, definitely leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is repost this video, retweet it, put it on your socials, tell everybody to check out the Geek Buddies, and that you really enjoy hanging out with us because we really enjoy hanging out with you. Yeah, and speaking of uh, hanging out, please remember to hang out with the people over there at Carbon Health. They power and sponsor the show. They're a leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high-quality health care to everyone, urgent care, primary care, virtual care. They've got same-day appointments in clinics. That's right, same day or virtually. They want to remove the traditional boundaries to healthcare, they have 90 clinics in 14 states, and they offer virtual care in 24 states. They want to make high-quality healthcare accessible to everyone, and they also offer testing for you now. COVID testing for those of you who are either vaccinated or unvaccinated need to get tested. They've got uh, they've got testing there at their clinics, and if you're going overseas. They've got testing available there, so you can qualify for that to go overseas and not have any concerns about that uh, as well. So make a look, make sure you go and check them out, www.carbonhealth.com, and see if there's a clinic or virtual care available near you. All right, thank you all so much for watching this episode of The Geek Buddies. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Remember, we dropped our spoiler review of episode six of the book of Boba Fett. If you want to hear more of what we think about it and with our guest, Laura Kelly, that is out there for you to watch as well. Uh, and that's it from us here at the geek buddies.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.